All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, another show of At The Table. I've got today with me, I've got um, a super awesome, epic chick. That's how she described herself just a little bit ago. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Elaine Briefman from fishingfortruth.com. That's fishingfortruth.com. Um, and this is directly from her, met, um, from her website. Many Christian leaders struggle with feelings of ina- inadequacy about being in positions of influence. I have a process to help them conquer self-doubt and hone their speaking skills so they can lead with consistent confidence. That's just a, the tip of the iceberg. I had a great conversation with uh, Pastor Elaine the other day. And there's so much more behind that. And so I'm really excited. I was really excited when we when we talked the other day, Pastor Lane. First of all, thank you for coming and oh, having you. this conversation um with us with 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 us today. Like we're really just having this conversation. Um, you know, me and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're all here. Um, and it's crazy because they're they're there too. Um, but um really thank you for coming on. It's just that I was I was so excited after we talked the other day and I got to hear a little bit more of what's behind why you do this. And so that's really what I think we're talking about today. She's going to share how she came to know Jesus. She's going to share things in her life. It'll be a little bit more of a brief show today, but Hey, good things come in small packages. Isn't that what they say? I don't know. So absolutely. <laughs> I mean, bacon comes in a really small package and bacon's really, really good. <laughs> and everything's better with bacon on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even more bacon. Anyway, yes. way sidetracked, sidetracked there. But um, yeah, thank you so much. So let's just go at it. Tell us, um, you know, you have a signature talk that you do. Um, tell us how you got saved. Tell us what the work is that the Lord um, has called you to do and and let's get people over to you. Let's get leaders going. Let's do it. Thank you, Jeff. I, I just, you know, chatting with you, absolutely. It was just um, a fantastic time. And so hopefully we'll be able to do this um, on repeat. And, I, yeah. you know, I think about where I'm at today. And all I'm grateful for is that I'm not who I used to be. And my history, yeah. um, I, you know, when I go to different, I, I'm a, I train people to how to speak. And when I go to different speaking engagements myself, um, really looking at how, how to tell my story, um, it, it, and it's challenging me. Getting in my story starts out really bad, but it ends much better. And yeah. so that's the <laughs> grace of God, right? That, and, and really the purpose behind the show here. Is, is telling people that transformation story. People have so much education mm-hmm. that what they're really looking for is transformation. Help me transform in the way that you have transformed, in the way that God has transformed mm-hmm. you. And so the story that I, that I typically share now, I was adopted as a baby. Um, and when I was probably about eight years old, my mom called me into the living room. Now in that era, my parents never talked to me unless I was in trouble for something or I had a chore to do. So I figure I, you know, I got a chore I got to do. So I walked down the hallway and, um, my mom's standing in the doorway of the living room and I can see beyond her, my dad sitting on the couch behind the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And she looks down at me and she goes, your brother tells me that your dad's been doing stuff to you. Is that true? Oh, wow. And I'm like, uh, 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 you know, cause I'm like, okay, you don't lie to your parents, but you got to lie, but you don't, but you, you know, and how old so were you I again? Just, I'm sorry. I was about eight. Wow. Yeah. So we're around eight years old. And, and so I just say, yeah. And she turns and she looks at my dad and she says, is that true? And he says, I don't know what she's talking about. And he never looks up from the newspaper and so we had this kind of weird conversation. And one time he says, I don't recall what she's talking about. And oh. I hooked on that. And I said, what do you mean you don't recall? Like, it happens yesterday. It happens all the time. And I was yelling at him. I was just waiting for my mom to backhand me because you don't yell at your parents. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is he never looked up from the newspaper. And that conversation ended and nothing changed. And what I learned because of my dad's lie were, were lies about myself. So when we're lied about, lied to, we start believing things that damages our sense of self, our sense of identity, 
even our life trajectory can be damaged. And what it did was it really jacked me up. Yeah. And so I tell people, I did what any normal jacked up person would do. I became a licensed marriage and family therapist and an already <laughs> investor. <laughs> And so technically I became a professional codependent, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had about 13 years of personal therapy and I don't recommend you get taking that long to get the help that you need. Um, and then I did, um, gosh, 11 years of college and got my licensure as a, um, a professional therapist. And then I did two decades of professional therapy with people, but my clients were still getting stuck. And I was really frustrated about that. I thought with all my personal experience, all my education, all my training and, you know, I just thought really... Um, and I was sitting on my couch one day just thinking about why do people get stuck and not make progress in personal journey of either faith or emotional healing. Mm-hmm. And and I tell people I wasn't really praying. I mean, I was just, I was honestly just frustrated just kind of thinking about this. And I heard two words. I mean, I heard two words. Would you like to know what they are? Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> I tell people, if you don't remember anything else that I said, I want you to remember these two words, identity, abuse, identity, abuse. Mm. And to say those words out loud, identity, abuse. So if you're listening to this, wherever you're at, just say it out loud, identity, abuse. Because somebody either, yes, either you or somebody you know has suffered with identity abuse. But in the moment I'm thinking, well, what is that? You know, that I would have never put those two words together. Now, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I mean, cognitively, you understand what those things are, but but identity abuse seemed too ethereal. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was that my identity was used before I was old enough to know I had an identity. So I lived with a lie because it felt true mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I struggled against this lie of my identity. And and so what I realized in the in the thinking of this, I spent about three days just me and God just saying, okay, if my identity, the identity that you gave me, was abused, what would that do to me? And it explained so many of the emotional disorders that you find in the big fat books, and the struggles, the addictions, the the bad habits, the thinking, the chronic negativity. All of that comes from, I don't like who I am. There's something about me that I don't like, and I'm striving to prove that in some other way. That's interesting that you say that. I heard Dan Allender from the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology talk about when his mom would get angry, He and he learned this later on, or no, he would come in and he'd be hurt or angry or something like that, and he would share it with his mom, and then she would get angry or scared mm-hmm. or whatever, her response was to yell, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because what he recognized was that she wasn't okay, so she didn't know how to deal with the fact that he was, wasn't okay. Right. Right? Right. And, right. Um, and it damaged him as a kid. Exactly. And the interesting thing about this now, you know, this came, it was actually um, in 2012 when I heard those two words. And really looking at... Um, you know, from a psychological perspective, you know, in the state of California where I'm licensed, um, I went to a lot of seminars and this kind of thing. And I would listen and they'd all talk about identity. I mean, identity has been this huge buzzword, you know, mm-hmm. and I would go to all these different breakout sessions to hear and they would never take they would always say, well, your parents did this or you heard that you said that. But they never said what it was doing to you, mm. what it was doing. It was it was abusing your identity. It was damaging your sense of self. And when people hear those two words, my identity, identity abuse, they, they, it keeps them from personalizing it. I'm bad. They can say somebody gave me a message at a time where I didn't have any healthy messages to compare it to. So I believed it as though it was true. Now I can unlearn that. Mm-hmm. And it keeps people from, from saying I'm bad. I'm broken. Um, I mean, so many people would, my office is like, I can't be fixed. I'm, I'm going to be in therapy forever. And I would go, oh, no, you're not. I, I can fix that. You know, I can help you. And and they, and they can't believe it. And the bottom line for this is that the, the long-term damage that identity abuse does is it creates in people this inability to receive truth. Yeah. Even in light of concrete proof. Mm-hmm. So somebody can come up and say say something to you and say, wow, you know, you're really you're you're really good at what you do. And their automatic thought is, I'm not good enough. 
yeah. or someone's better, or I'm not as good as I should be. And, and, and you can sit there and say, but you've done this, you've done this, you've done this, and they'll still have that automatic thought. And I think that's a huge hang up too for believers, right? Like we say that we believe Jesus forgives us for our sins, but then we'll hold this bag of guilt. That's what my yes. my therapist, really great Christian therapist, I saw him for about a year and a half, two years, incredible guy. And he would be like, Jeff, you just carry around this, um, what I call it the giant bag of guilt. And it's like a duffel bag. And then when someone tries to tell you something different that's in that giant bag of guilt, you beat the crap out of them with your giant bag of guilt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Ty, that's exactly what I do. Yes. And, 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 it's, and it's so true because what happens – and one of the reasons why you know, – I, I could talk about identity abuse to the public forum. But one of the reasons why I want to bring it to Christians is because people will say – like if I, if I walk up to somebody in, in public and does Jesus love you, they'll go, oh, yeah. And they'll say that they believe it. But if some other person walked up to them and says, you know, I don't think Jesus loves me. They'll go, oh, no, he really does. And they'll be able to, like, give this really deep, you know, really heartfelt response. Yeah. But to themselves, they don't believe it. They'll intellectually believe it. But there hasn't been that heart transformation of I really genuinely believe with all of my being that I'm deeply loved by the creator of the universe. Yeah. They haven't been able to go there, but they'll really try to convince everybody else of that. Yeah. It's like, he'll really, do the, sorry, you go ahead. I, I just really genuinely believe that all of that comes from identity abuse. Yeah. Their identity has, is, has been hijacked in such a way that they can't believe the truth. Even though they can, they can reveal the truth to other people, they haven't gone to that place of really believing it for themselves. Yeah. And that's why I really try – and I've been trying to put this into practice um, a lot with my boys. I've shared it with some other individuals. I think I've even shared it on the show before where, you know, um, Isaiah – and Isaiah, like 61, I believe it is. I'm, I'm horrible. Forgive me, everybody. Fact check me if you want. <laughs> but, uh, it talks about – when Jesus says the thing, you know, uh, he even reads from it, you know, instead of um, mourning, I give him a garland of praise instead of ashes, right? Mm -hmm. And there's that powerful word in there instead. And I was actually taught by a gentleman, you might know him, Graham Cook. Yes, um, yes. Who teaches this, right? This is where I learned mm -hmm. it, where instead is that great word in the Bible where you can take how you're thinking, how you feel, and present it to the Lord and say, this is what I'm thinking. How should I think instead? And that was a huge, huge thing for me. Um, before my, my father died, I just started grasping this concept in 2019 and, uh, a whole, whole ordeal with it. And it actually helped that when he passed, I was able to implement it and change some really, really negative, um, pains and associations I had because I used that. And I went to the Lord with like, well, this is, this is how I feel. This is what I'm thinking. How should I feel instead? Mm. And it was the transformation of the mind that really changed a lot. Like my dad died in Hawaii. And while we're listening to the show, I have a live stream right now on my TV because I actually like looking, it's going to sound weird to some people, but I have like a coconut candle and everything. It's just my process, right? To find peace. And I have a live stream of Maui on my TV in the background, you know, and had I not gone and done that work, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I have family members that hate the place now because of, um, because of that whole ordeal. But because I think of that, just that principle, like the Lord is into that, right? Instead of dying for our sins, Jesus came and saved, you know, died for our sins and said, Exactly. And I, and I think, um, you know, there's a song by Lauren Daigle where she says, here's my heart, Lord, speak truth to me. Mm. And I, and I just love, and it's a really melodic song and, and it's just, okay, here's my heart, Lord, speak truth to me. I, I need to hear that. truth. Yes. And that's why my life verse is John eight thirty two, which is, um, where Jesus is talking to those Jews who believed about being his disciples. And he says, the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth should not cause more bondage. And, and really being able to go before God and say, I, I need to know what is true. And being right. So the people that raised me, so again, I was adopted as a baby. Mm -hmm. And these people who raised me, raised me in church. So I was in church, you know, every Sunday morning, every Sunday, my, my mom 
played the organ. My, my dad taught Sunday school. My dad was on the church board when he went to jail for molesting somebody else. Um, so I was in the church all the time, excuse me. And I was, uh, when my dad went to jail, I went to the pastor and I said, Hey, um, you know, I think I need some counseling or whatever. And, and, um, and he's like, well, what do you want to start on? Make a list. And I went back to him and I, I had this little list and it said, you know, better relationships with my, my parents. Cause in that time it's like forgive and forget, right. You're supposed to forgive and have these wonderful relationships with these abusive people. And some people still believe that today, which is a lie. If you need more about that, please contact me. I'll be happy to help you with that. <laughs> um, yeah. And, um, um, and he said, where do you want to start? And I said, my relationship with God. Now it's extremely important for you to understand that my relationship with God was not on the list and I had no inclination of any kind to discuss my spiritual condition with the pastor. Yeah. It was just that appointed day and time. I mean, it's just the most bizarre thing when I think about it afterwards, he's like, well, where is your relationship with God? And I did not know how to answer the, how to answer the question. I mean, I, I genuinely did not know how to respond. And he said, well, did you ever ask Jesus in your heart? I'm like, well, uh, when I was five, I, I, I went to the altar because my brother made me and I cried. And the guy who came to pray with me got mad because I wouldn't stop crying. <laughs> and, the, and the pastor goes, is that it? And I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, well, we can take care of that right now. And I'm like, okay. Now I'm 22 and I, I think he was 30 when I go back and look at it now, because he's not that much older than me mm -hmm. when I look at it now, he might've even been younger. And I think this is his first senior pastorate. So he's like, well, we can fix that right now. And I'm like, okay. And we walk out of his office and into the sanctuary down to the altar, simple sinner's prayer. And, um, and we didn't. And then after, right after that, we walked out to the door and I was getting ready to go. And he, and I'm looking out the window and he goes, what do you think? And I said, I don't want to go out there. I just really clearly remember saying, I don't want to go out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I, I know I was sharing some of this with you before, but I, uh, for those of you who are listening, I think it's entertaining to think the next day, um, I w was Wednesday. So I, I met him on a Tuesday, Wednesday night service, right. Uh, walking up the sidewalk and he's walking up the sidewalk, getting ready to go to service and said, what would you do? What would you say if I told you that I want to be a missionary? Because in my head, I, so I had been, I'd become promiscuous. I was dealing drugs. I was just like, I was a mess of a person. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, in my head, I thought, well, if I go to the mission field, I won't be tempted to, with all this stuff. Right? <laughs> if I go to the mission field, <laughs> I won't sell drugs no more. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to be clean and sober. And, um, because they're just not there because they're nowhere else other than in my neighborhood. Right. So anyway, so I asked him, I yeah. said, what would you say if I was going to be, uh, if I told you I wanted to be a missionary and he turned around and he looked at me and he said, Everybody says that don't sell your house. And he turned around and he walked away wow. and he never talked to me about it again. And it was years before I even understood what that meant. But I was so young. I was like, I didn't know how to respond. Right. I was like, okay. And that was the end of that. And I was like, so full of questions being raised in the church. Right. Yeah. And that following Sunday, we're in the church, uh, old hymnal time. And now I've been, you know, 22 years, right. I know every song in the hymnal. I know all five verses, can sing it backwards. And um, I pull out this hymnal and we get start singing. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me that songs are about me. I mean, for the first time in my life, it's mm. like these songs are about me and my relationship with God. Yeah. And I could sing the song of the soul set free. And, and, and so now you jump, you know, 30 years down the road and I'm thinking, I do not want to leave this planet knowing that anybody can go to a Christian Bible believing church for 22 years and never be asked, where is your relationship with God? And be able to sing the songs that we sing with full knowledge and experience that these songs are about me. And I jokingly say, if you, if you went to a car dealership for five hours a week, two hours on Sunday morning, two hours on Sunday night, and two hours on or an hour on Wednesday night, and nobody ever asked you how your car was, yeah, for twenty two years, they'd be out of business, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So I, I really, really am desperately wanting to elevate the conversation about our spiritual condition because it's of primary importance. And the only reasons why we don't have those conversations is intimidated, which is it goes back to that whole identity abuse thing. It's like, okay, what's going on inside of you that that you can't lean into this conversation about our faith? And then the second thing I, I teach is speaker skills. How can you effectively, casually, just kind of like Jeff, what you and I are doing right now, have a conversation mm-hmm. about our spiritual condition? Yeah. Where we're at, where we want to be, what it, what happened to us, and and how is that impacting you know the the future? And and I, I love I love what I do, and I just want to do it over and over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it, and I love that you you'd said that. Um, I had uh, communicated with someone yesterday that I've done some work with in the past. Believer, really incredible individual. I love this. I love this guy. And he asked me, "Hey, how you doing?" And normally I'm just like, "Yo, I'm doing pretty dope." You know, I'm I'm just hanging in there. You know, chilling, dab here and there. You know, and um, but I I was like, "No, nah, I'm actually going to share with them today how I'm doing," and mm. it's pretty heavy, mm. and I hadn't heard back. <laughs> I have not heard back from him. And I'm like, come on, brother. And uh, granted, he is a little busy, but also, um, you know, you can, when you have your text messages, you can see that it says red and it gave Mm -hmm. you the time. Oh, I know what time he read my text message. Um, Mm -hmm. But then it was, um, I was at the coffee shop this morning and I was having a conversation with some friends. And... um, I've, I've shifted my, my diet. I had a really bad allergic reaction to some food. And so it forced me to have to shift my diet. It's not because of the new year. It's because I had to go to the hospital, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they, they asked, well, how are you feeling? Because you are eating differently now. And I was like, oh, let's try this out again. And so I shared the same stuff and they, mm. st- they were, they were working and they, they stopped what they were doing. And they were like, let's talk about that. Why, why do you feel that way? And I was like, okay, this is, these are individuals that genuinely care. So we had a, we sat and had a discussion about Jesus and about uh, spiritual health and about, um, you know, I'm not a big fan of things that are happening in our in our world and our country right now. And I I realized that that can affect your health. And so I went to the Lord and and made a conscious effort to say, um, I don't hate these humans. I actually love these people. I hate their actions. So please forgive me. Give me the grace to love them like you would, you know? And, um, it was really, really, um, awesome to have them stop everything they were doing and sit and have a conversation with me. It was great mm-hmm. because no one came into the coffee shop for like 15 minutes uh, and we nice. could have that conversation, you know? So, and it, um, but it, and it elevates, it elevates the perception of value when somebody just simply looks you in the eye yeah, and genuinely listens. And so that's one of the things about, you know, my mentorship program, I put all the time, I say, do you have somebody who is genuinely interested in your success yeah. for your call, your mission? I mean, genuinely, not just somebody who's just like kind of sort of there. And I had somebody come and ask me to be their mentor. And I tried to talk them out of it because I'm like, I'm super busy in this particular era. And what they were doing, it was somebody who was um, going to uh, a seminary and, and they were taking Greek and all this. And I'm like, and you know what? I don't think I'm the person for you mm. in this in this area. Um, because I gen- when I mentor somebody, I want to know that I have the the time and energy to really vest into their mission and their call. And what that does to people, I mean, Jeff, you're, you're a prime example. You started as a prime example of this is that it elevates the value of what you're doing and, and actually releases some of that stuff that you're dealing with. It, yeah. re, it releases it from, from you having to carry it. Yeah. And what was really awesome. Um, and I luckily learned this early on when I did my DTS in YWAM in 2006. Um, you don't always have to have the answer, right? Like I learned Mm -hmm. that, which was really great. And I never said that to this individual, but I really thought it was awesome when I was having this conversation with my friend, they, they weren't, they didn't offer me a solution, Mm, none, mm -hmm. but they looked at me and they, they were genuine when they were, they, and this is what they said. They were like, and it, and it, I just want to preface this. My issue that I'm, that I'm, that this, this, where I'm at spiritually with the Lord has, 
it's not about the state of the country. So let's just put that <laughs> out there right now. It's uh, it's it's with me and the Lord, right? This it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with anything outside. It's it's things that I'm working through with God. So please, it's not about anything else that's outside, right? So, um, but they looked at me and they were like, "That that's got to be really hard." Mm. And I was like, "Yeah, it's actually it sucks." And they're like. My husband and I, we're going to spend time tonight praying for you. And I know she meant it, Mm -hmm. which was huge, right? And this is just a a friend, you know, it's just a casual friend that, you know, I see every day when I go to the coffee shop and, you know, it was just, it meant everything. It was just, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Genuine care. Yeah. 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 No, no, uh, no solution offered. Just, uh, and, that, and I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so there's two things come to mind to say that one is I get DMS from people and they're like, Hey, how are you doing? And I get so excited. And the same thing happens, you know, they're like, well, it's this and that and this and that. And then you can see that they read it and then there's no response. And I'm like, okay, did I need to stop like being honest? With, it's like, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't say that. Let's stop being honest and stop being so open <laughs> or so believing that they genuinely are asking. I mean, I hate to think that I would ever become that person, yeah. but you and know, it's it, like, yep. yeah. And it's funny you say that because I, when I was telling the story and I go and I told them, I was like, oh, you know, I really, really appreciate that because I shared this with a really good friend of mine yesterday and they didn't respond. Mm. So that'll be the last. And I jokingly was jokingly kind of serious, but jokingly was like, mm-hmm. so that'll be the last time I share anything with them. <laughs> When you talk about, you know, not giving advice or whatever, there's times like there's like friend, like close friends of mine and I'll call them. And, and, um, and I have one who, who it's almost like if I say things are good, they'll say things are bad. If I say things are bad, they'll say good. Or if I try to, you know, it's like, okay, this, I, but so I did with this one friend, I said, all right, I'm, I need to vent. And all I want you to do is listen. Mm -hmm. And when I'm done, say, wow, that must be really hard. So it's funny that your friend said that, but you know, so I tell people all the time, it's okay to tell people I need you to listen. And I really don't need a lecture. I just need you to listen and to say, wow, that must be really hard. Yeah. And know that that's the end of the conversation and be okay with that. So sometimes priming. So that one particular friend, I said, you know what, when I talk, um, I'm trying to actually collude with you with how you're feeling and how, and it's like, every time I try to do that, you try to rebuttal what I'm saying. And I said, I don't know how to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I just really don't know how to, how to, how to be there in that moment. And sometimes they're unaware of, of what they're doing. That particular friend though said she really valued that. And, and she says, she says, didn't I do better this time? <laughs> I love it. I had this really awesome mentor when I, I was a staff member in New Zealand as well. His name was Chris. And he would have uh, biweekly meetings with me and we would be able to sit and chat like that. And he would he would sit and listen sometimes and say that kind of thing. And I just remember specifically this one time I, I shared, um, he was like, hey, this week I want you to do something a little bit different. I want you to just write down everything that you think and feel without really processing through it in your journal. And then you're going to give that to me and then I'll, we'll come back together. And I was like, Hey, that's different. Okay, cool. So I did from that two week period and I handed it in and, uh, it was so funny. I took this so to heart and it really changed like my perspective almost instantly. He gave me one sticky note and, um, (laughs) in my journal and goes, we don't need to meet this week. Um, I just really want you to think about what I gave you and remember that you're in the mission field. Oh my goodness. Really? And I'm I was so like, sorry. no, 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 wow. this was, I know it sounds bad, but it helped me so great. I opened my journal and in the journal on the sticky note says you're being a whiny American. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this he's totally right. I am actually being a whiny American. Like it yeah. really was. That was what it was. And that's funny. It just snapped me out of that moment that I was in. But it just makes me laugh when I. When yeah, I, just, I mean, there's some genuine truth to that reflection. I guess you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really valuable for people to take into consideration the condition of the person and their ability <laughs> to kind of hold, you know, their own junk. Because I, I, I had a situation 
And then, and then we should probably like switch to a different topic. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, we're going to out our all of our good friends. Um, the where I was, I was having a really, really hard time. I had just moved, didn't know anybody in the community. It was very isolated. Live in a place by myself. It's a, it's a um, uh, retirement. I shouldn't say retirement. It's a um, vacation destination. Mm-hmm. So if you live, if you live here, you're ancient. And if, and if, <laughs> if you don't live here, it's a vacation home. So there's empty homes and then there's really old people. Oh, so okay? Florida. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's California. It's same deal. So, um, yeah. And so I was super isolated, really kind of depressed. And, and, um, and I asked a friend, you know, via Facebook, I'm like, Hey, you know, can we chat? And she asked me, she goes, want to chat? I'm like, sure. The lights are all off. I'm, I'm, I haven't really dressed much, you know, and, and she started talking to me about my appearance during my zooms on Facebook or, um, when I did my events, that was the last thing I needed to hear in the moment. I was like, you know what? I'm already feeling like garbage and I don't need to obsess now about how bad I look when I'm doing stuff online. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, so it's really kind of good that to really kind of, you know, like what your friend said, you know, didn't really give advice, but just listened and, and offered prayer and, there's people who I know when I'm like, Hey, will you pray for me? They'll call me instantly and pray with me on the phone. Yep. I have and a really good friend, Tico, that does that. He calls me yeah. and he genuinely is like, how are you doing? And we'll talk and he'll stop me mid sentence. I mean, and he won't be like, let's pray. He'll just start doing it hmm. without telling me. And I'm like, Oh, I guess we're, we're praying. Right now. <laughs> I should, I should probably stop doing what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, he's also a life coach. Uh, he does all kinds of incredible work with men, but, um, Mm. yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's shift a little bit. And, um, I really want to hear, so this is the, the Lord really worked with you through this starting at 22 is when you say you got saved. Mm -hmm. And I mean, tell us how that, I want to know how that went, like how, how, did it Jesus went really, sh- really up? horribly. <laughs> <laughs> but if it went really horribly, we're back to what you said at the beginning of the show, which was you are glad that you are not the person that you used to be. Yes. So yes. how did that come about? And what did he do? Because we acknowledge that uh, this isn't happening without God. And I'm mm-hmm. honestly, I believe that. Yes, there are universal principles of change and transformation, but it isn't going to be bring peace and lasting change if the Lord is not involved. Exactly. So, and 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 the, and one of the biggest transformations that happened in my life was was on my knees on a hill right before I got ordained, and I said, "I do not want to do this without you," because I, I just got that the confirmation that I was going to be ordained the following month. And, wow. And I'm like, I I do not. I do not want to do this without you because I really felt like God was calling me yeah. um, in, in some sort of expansive way. And I, I don't know that I could necessarily um, verbalize that, but I knew that what, what he had given me was so valuable and so precious and I did not want to do it without him. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, so that's, that's like jumping like 20 years down the road. <laughs> Um, so, so, you know, here, the reality is, is that at 22 years old, you know, I'm, I'm young. I, I got married really young, had four kids. Um, and I, you know, but I had a lot of mental health issues, but didn't really, I mean, you, you didn't talk about mental health in the church. Yeah. Okay? You just didn't. And, and psychology was bad and therapists were bad. And, uh, I ended up being hospitalized for depression five times in one year. Wow. And I'm talking about one of those times, a super serious mental break where I had zero recall of what had just happened and on and off different medications. And, you know, I mean, it was so hard, especially as a believer to, to wade through that stuff. And the diagnosis that I had, um, was one of the worst that you could get because of the way that I was raised, the, the chronic hypocrisy that I lived with. And it, it created a, like a psychosis for me that life wasn't real because what was being spoken was one thing, but what was happening in the home was diametrically opposed to what they were professing to believe. And I was in fifth grade before I realized that what was happening in my home wasn't normal. Because again, you go through that, you know, you just don't know what you don't know until somebody says, hey, by the way, that's not normal. Yeah. 
So here I am, you know, 22, I become a Christian. I'm like, wow, all this stuff suddenly makes sense. And there's a God. And I had a mentor who I'd meet with her once a week. And we started in the book of Matthew one sentence at a time, got out all of these different um, Bible commentaries and just like read over every word, every sentence and just kind of delved into it. I had all these questions. Why is the church doing this? Why are they not doing that? Why are you know, and I'd get, I'd get like, I genuinely just wanted to know. And one time um, I was walking up to the church on a Sunday night and the pastor's wife was getting out of the car and I walked up. I said, you know, your husband said this this morning. And I was just wondering, she turned out, she looked at me, she goes, if you don't like the way my husband preaches, you can go to another church. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I had, yeah, I'm telling you, I had like, like, it was really bad. It's like the enemy did everything he could to make, to make it as hard as possible for me to do what God has called me to do. So another instance. That doesn't um, sound normal. What are you talking about? (laughs) I had another instance where I was having like this home party, you know, where you had like interior decorating kind of stuff. It's like a Tupperware kind of thing. Yeah. And the lady that came, she was a pastor's wife and she didn't know I was a new Christian. And she's in there setting up all her stuff. And we were just chatting about who knows what. But I clearly remember her saying, all new Christians be locked up for six months until they mellow out. Oh, my goodness. And I'm like, oh. So I'm like, you know, just, just you know, paying attention <laughs> to all of these this, these things. And I'm like, I don't understand. I mean, I just didn't understand. And yeah. And then, you know, I, we moved and st- still a new Christian just getting baptized. And they let me be a Sunday school teacher to the two, second graders. Yeah. And, um, really bad low income neighborhood and and the kids would show up underdressed for the winter weather so i brought a skillet those electric skillets and made pancakes for them and they were bringing their friends and like look look see i told you she's, she's making pancakes and i'm um, just trying to love on people you know just trying to do and yeah. people are like thinking i'm weird but i'm like i don't know i don't you know what whatever it was that i was receiving wasn't what i was you know i, I wanted to give some sort of depth but so, you know, I ended up um, finally finding a therapist, a Christian therapist. And, um, but I had some real, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, I was really jacked. I, if you had met me, I mean, honestly, Jeff, if you had met me when I was like, say, 28, yeah. you would not be wanting to have this conversation with me right now. <laughs> You'd be like, this chick is like so jacked up that, yeah. Um, it's just too, too risky. Yeah. So I try, and that's the joy of being able to tell my story is because I, one of the things that I, I typically tell is that narcissists are considered, um, unhealable in the psychology world. They, mm. they, it's like, yeah, you can't, you can't heal them. But I have proof that when they understand identity abuse, they understand why they're struggling so hard with their identity, that they can be set free from that. And one of the things about my own personal journey and my own personal diagnosis is I only knew that because I overheard my psychiatrist doing his dictaphone while I was in the mental hospital. I saw him in his office and I actually sat against the door and was eavesdropping. He just happened to be talking about me at the time where he was giving my diagnosis. And I went really? and I went and looked it up. Yes. And I did everything I could to just search and research and this kind of thing. And um <clears throat> But I was genuinely, ja- I mean, I was genuinely jacked up. I mean, I had really bad interpersonal relationships, super chaotic um, addiction problems. I mean, it, and so just because I found God didn't mean it all ended. Now, some people gloriously get that benefit. I yeah. did not. Yep, me either. And so as, um, so I ended up, um, that marriage ended. I married somebody else right away and he was violent. And mm. that marriage lasted for a year and he is now deceased. Um you know, so we're just like chaos, 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 chaos. And, um, but when, when I I went through this ordination process, because I really thought I want to help people find God. I don't want, I want to be able to, I mean, that, that was it. It's like, I, I, to the, to the laundry list of bad experiences. The first time I got to go to a staff meeting on it at a church, I was so excited. Or it was a board meeting. I think it was, I can't remember if it was board or staff meeting, but I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I finally got my minister's license. I get to go do this thing. And I'm walking to the the door and the pa- senior pastor's coming the other way and everybody else is in the room. So we're kind of a little late. And he opens the door and as he's opening the door for me, he goes, I'm just letting you know I'm resigning tonight. And he walks in the door. Wow. And I'm like. A oh, heck of a first meeting. Right. <laughs> and I And I kept thinking, oh, well, we're going to go in here. We're going to talk about how people find Jesus. And we talked about anything. We we talk about the color of the carpet and the temperature and how many, uh, you know, how much offering do we have and who's, you know. And I thought, when do when do we get to talk about how to help people find you? When 
when do we get to have that conversation, Jeff, for the last um, teen years? So we're like 25 years. I've been, when do we get to have the conversation about how to help people find Jesus? Yeah. And the enemy has done everything to keep us focused on anything else. You know, the kind of music, um, you know, who we're reaching. I mean, it's just, it just goes on and on and on. And so that, that, that experience, um, again, kept reminding me, okay, this is, this is about a personal relationship and I can't, I can't depend on the church to be the facilitation of that. Yeah. And I got to go, and I know I'm going all over the map, but I got to go to, um, <laughs> I got to go to Francis Chan's house church training in San Francisco for uh-huh. um, for four days. Most remarkable event to go and live with these people and talk about the how the underground church in China operates. So this is kind of a circuitous conversation. But in China, if you uh, are a Christian, you don't tell anybody, right? Right. Because you get killed. Yep. And you live your life and you do it really well until somebody comes and maybe talks to you about it. So – then you get to the place where you break open the Bible to them. And then once you show they, you're convinced that they're sold out, then you might invite them to the church, but you're not going to invite them to a church with a bunch of underground church people until you're sure that person sold out. Mm. So the discipleship lands on the person who's inviting, not on the church. The church isn't the scapegoat for the discipleship. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, not that they have to do it because they'll die, but. The concept. No, it ele- <laughs> yes, it's it, true. It, yeah, we, we don't want to, we definitely don't want to promote that here. But yeah. the, the point being is that how do we get comfortable talking about our faith? Like if you walked up to somebody who's Muslim and they said, oh yeah, I'm Muslim. They say, tell me about your faith. They go, oh, but they would yeah. be all embarrassed and shy. And that's like, why are Christians, why, why can we not yep. have that open conversation? Because I would not have gone to church for 22 years. And not have ever had that conversation. Mm. It would have been the norm of the conversation. So now I'm an avid fisherman. I have a fishing addiction. Um, <laughs> and so, so if I ever go and hence, hence the fishing. Oh, and I was going to say the fishing, the number four truth.com. There you go. So the fishing. Yeah. Because I, if I could get fishing in my ministry, it'd make me super happy. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think really looking at w- w- trying to elevate that conversation, making it normal. So I, so I go and and I help Christians a overcome their identity abuse, their their insecurities. B really lean into their unique call. What did God call you to do? Not what did the church say it's okay for you to do, but what did God call you to do? Yep. And help them differentiate between a label and the behavior. So yeah. I had this one particular person. They said, oh, "I'm called to pastor." I'm like, "Well, what does that mean?" Well, you know, to be a head of a church. I said, "But when you wake up in the morning and you go to pastor because God called you to pastor, what does that mean?" Yeah. And they have a really hard time articulating it. I'm going to go and it's like you from the, yeah. So I just teach them how to really dissect the behavior. So I've had a lot of, especially women in the stained glass ceiling. They're like, I was called to preach. Well, you're preaching. Well, I have to do this and I have to take that course. I said, why aren't you preaching? Well, I have yeah. to do this. I'm like, no, go, wow. go do it. And one of my, one of my um, students actually, I said, go on your Facebook profile and just preach. There you go. And what if I get, what if I get in trouble? I'm like, if you get in trouble, there's bigger problems somewhere, right? <laughs> and what she did was she she actually was the chaplain for her family camp, and she was in control of the Facebook page for that family camp. So she started preaching on that Facebook page, and she would drive two hours one way to set up her equipment at the family camp and preach. And within, I think it was six months, she was asked to be the senior pastor of a church. Awesome. And she had not been offered anything in ten, like 10 years, something like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's do what God has called you to do. There just you go. just go do it. Yep. And so I help them do that. And then I give them the speaker skills in order to be able to empower them to do it effectively. Because shame and guilt is typically what's used for having anybody to do anything in the church. And I want them to do it out of intelligence and call and um, purpose and not be emotionally driven um, the conversations all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see us get to the place where you know, Jesus heals that man. And then he gets really, really excited. And he's like, go home and tell all your family and friends about everything, you know, about what I've done. Mm-hmm. And then it says he did it. Yeah, he did it because he was excited. <laughs> Even the woman at the well, she's like, come right. and see this man who's told me everything I've ever done. Instead of saying, well, all, all new Christians need to be locked up. Yeah, that just... <laughs> 
that's so, why, so people that's are, why yeah. I was laughing. I'm just like, I can't believe I wasn't laughing at like the story. I was like, I'm hoping people aren't like yeah. listening to this thinking I'm no, laughing at no, her story. No, it's just, it's just, it's it is, it's so just ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, every, when you go to Disneyland and people, and people imagine if you're leaving Disneyland and the, and the owners of Disneyland are saying, they go, don't tell anybody. You need to go home and mellow out. I don't want you talking to anybody about Disneyland for another six months. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Nope. No, I mean, I have a whole story about the the way that the Lord helped me change how I think about a certain situation that I had. And if people want to hear it, they can buy my new book that's coming out. I'll plug that later. But um, <laughs> um, it revolved around the instead. And as soon as it happened, within as soon as he changed how I felt, there was an instant release. How I felt, mm. not how I felt, how I thought. Changed how mm-hmm. I thought. Established mm-hmm. a new way of thinking within me. Got rid of the other in- instance of what I was struggling with. Two days later, something else came that I didn't expect. Um, I told everybody that story immediately. Mm. I didn't wait. I'm like, y'all got to check this out because I tried it and it works. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and so. Um, so there's so there's there's two other stories I want to tell. And I know that um, that hopefully you'll be patient with me in that regard. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm we're here as long as you can be here. It's, 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 we're hitting that hour mark that you'd wanted to hit, but, um, it's up to you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll, I'll just rip them out. So, <laughs> so, so they're important. They're important based on that, based on, based on what I'm hearing from you is, um, but I want to go back to that moment when I'm on that hill mm-hmm. and I'm on my knees before God and I'm like, okay, I don't want to do this without you. And, and, and at that point, I was, you know, around a lot of people who, you know, when you get sanctified or filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, you're going to be speaking in tongues and doing all this stuff. And there's a lot of, you know, um, miraculous things that are going on. And I'm thinking, I just look at me and I'm thinking, I'm just me. and I don't see anything. And I said, I don't want to do this without you. I want to, I want to, I want to know that you're in it. So I, yeah. I kind of tucked down and I said, fill me. And I just kind of waited, you know, and yeah. I'm thinking, you know, and in that moment, in that moment, Jesus appeared before me. And he's smiling like a little kid, like big white teeth. He just smiled like a little kid, you know, and his eyes are like diamonds and they're just like sparkling, like every color. And his hair is like little LED lights, you know, I mean, it's just like, he's just like, like every cell of his body is made of light. And he holds his hand out to me and he's smiling like this little kid goes, let's go play. Oh my word. And I just, I'm staring at it and I'm, and then my immediate, so we talk about that automatic, automatic thoughts. My thought is like, I can't do that. And he's just smiling at me, you know, with his hand outstretched. And I'm thinking, I got, I got, I got junk, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. And and in my mind's eye, these like steamer trunks, you know, the, the, the red ones with the gold edges are all with all my junk up here next to me. Yeah. And so I, I, I pan over, so Jesus comes up to me on my right and I pan over to my left to, to look at God and because God's going to be able to explain to him why I can't go do that. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Hey, big and, man, um, come on, fill him in. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, that's like, exactly. I was like, I'm looking at Jesus. He's like, let's go play. And I'm thinking, I, there's no way. And I'm like, and you. Yeah. Apparently you, you didn't get the memo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I see the face of God and, um, and sadly, it's faded over time, but his face is completely uh, nonplussed. So no expression whatsoever. And he says, I don't look at that anymore. And he paid the price so that I don't have to. That's incredible. Right? And I'm sitting there going, um, okay. I've been curled up in a ball sobbing my <laughs> brains out. <laughs> The reality of the moment was, okay, nothing that just happened in those three sentences, which is let's go play. I don't look at that anymore. He paid the price that I don't have to was new language, right? That's so the entire cool. basic tenet of the Christian faith is there is a Jesus who is alive, who wants you to go and live with him. There is a God who made that possible and he doesn't look at our sin anymore. Because of what Christ did, basic 
basic tenets of the Christian faith. And until that moment in time, I hadn't believed it. And I think a majority of people don't get it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which is I, why honest, I share I still, that story. I still struggle with that. Like mm-hmm. God loves me, but he doesn't like me. <laughs> right? The Bible says he so, has to love me. So that's law. That's biblical law. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't like me. Like that is a thought that Jeff struggles with. So, I mean, I just be honest, you know, I know Absolutely. it's not true. So how do you combat it? Well, I fight it with the truth. And it's all over the Bible. Everywhere. Psalm 18 is my favorite verse to combat that. Mm. David talks about how he's surrounded, he's going to die, and what does God do? (laughs) Right? Like, he comes and he (laughs) describes, he comes violently, and people are, I'm going to paraphrase here, flying that way, and the earth is exploding this way. And then (laughs) David says one thing, and he lifts me up because he delights in me. Mm Mm-hmm. I when I first read that in that context, oh man, I was on the in the ball on the floor like you know crying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the cool part about that story is that I I I I said so I said if that's true, like God's gonna lie, right? Right. If that's true, <laughs> and you will never shame me again, I'm all in a hundred percent. I'll believe everything I ever read, ever heard, ever understood about who Jesus is, who God is, and and it just dynamically changed me. God absolutely 100% has better things to do in his life other than look at your old junk because Jesus died for that. And he set all that up and he wants you to move on. I love how you just said that. He has better things to do than look at your junk because he's already dealt with it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought and in and the, and the simplicity of that was so unbelievably profound. And I went off, I called a friend and I'm like, do you have any idea how much God loves you? I mean, do you have any idea? And I was rambling, like just rambling. I was just like so excited. And I, I got off the, I walked down the hill. So that whole instance took maybe what, 12 minutes, you know, of, 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 you know, I had to, and and by, I got got down to my car and four hours had gone by. Wow. And I'm like, and I normally didn't share this. I didn't share the story for a long time because it sounded too weird and, and it did, it dynamically changed. I mean, I would talk about the love of God all the time. I'm like, do you understand the love of God? Do you understand how deep, how wide, how long, how far is the love of God? It exists. It's yeah. always there. It's, it's, it's not, not something words. that we have to conjure up or, or, or earn or, you know, and it's, it's there and ready for us. And, I and love so, it. yeah, totally. So, so let me tell you my second story. So well, this is, well, a, hold this, on. I'm so sorry. I want to just, I want to tell, I want to say this. This is the second time I've heard a story. And I, I know you'd shared this with me the other day, but I'll be honest, I forgot because I'm old and I forget things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is the second time from somebody that I've heard him say it this way, like those exact mm-hmm. words. So do you know who Brennan Manning is? Yes. So Brennan Manning, for those of you who don't know, was an author. He wrote this book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's a good book, but he has tons of others that are better, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but I heard him give this talk, um, and he shared this story. This was after he was a priest, after he became a Christian. He got married. He fell back into being an alcoholic to where he was homeless on the street, and he had a woman kick him in the ribs and break one of his ribs, ended up back into a rehabilitation alcohol facility. And he'd already written the book, right? He was very well known. He'd spoken all over the place. This was after this. And he was sobbing in his room, calling himself just a piece of garbage, right? Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And Jesus shows up in the room and says, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about any of that garbage. Let's go play. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So cool. (laughs) And to, and to have that perception of, you know, so what I did was I wrote, let's go play Jesus, the Messiah and put it on the back of my front door. So when I leave the house, I remind myself that that's the call of Christ. Let's, let's go play. And there's days when I get up and I'll just be hundred percent honest. I'm like, I don't know how to play today. I don't, I don't know how to play in this. I don't know. <laughs> how do you look at this and play in that? So yeah. there's, you know, it's not, it's not all like we talked about earlier, you know, butterflies and Jesus, right? <laughs> Welcome to the show. We were talking about butterflies and Jesus today. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's awesome. I love it. And I mean, the Bible even talks about us being children. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll share this. This is really interesting. Is I just said that I just remembered. I remember it had this. Um, you can call them visions or whatever. It just you know you can just call them mental movie. You know, easiest way. However, you can determine how the Lord speaks to you. I remember, remember this one time the Lord was talking to me about um, setting a table in the presence of your enemies mm. where we were at, we were at a giant dinner table and it was all of our friends. Right. But we were grown adults, but we looked like um, I, the term it's people think it's derogatory. We're just like midgets. Like we were adults, but we were, we looked like children. We were mm-hmm. adult children. And to the point where we're like crawling up on the chair like a children would and then sitting at the table, you know, with our legs folded underneath us trying to get height to the table. And he's just having a ball. Mm. And we're all laughing. There's tons of food everywhere. We're hysterically laughing like kids. And this um, evil spirit walks in the room. And in an instant, he's at one end and he's on the other end of the table and the other in the room from the Lord. And in an instant, the Lord is one room. And then the room to the other has this thing by that, by the, by the body rips it in half while looking back at us laughing hysterically at everything we're doing hmm. and we don't even see it. Hmm. And then he just kind of drops it and then is back at his other place. Hmm. And that was how he showed me, you know, <clears throat> he sets the table in the presence of our enemies that Beautiful. just being, it was incredible, but we were, yeah, we were little children just having fun. Yeah. Papa's table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hence, that's why it's called at the table. <laughs> By the way, oh, very everybody good. that know, wants to know. <laughs> now we know. Now we know. That's great. Anyway, so the, la- so the last story. story I wanted, the last story I want to tell you is the story about the day that God made Jeff. Hey. Okay. So, so, so the only thing I'm going to ask you not to do is to talk. Okay. I can. That's going to be really hard. But I know. I, can I preface it with saying that's the greatest day of the year? Sure. <laughs> Sure. And we can celebrate that. What, what day is what day of the year is that? It is the 17th of April for those of you that want to know. Okay. So yes. the greatest day of the year is, is now going to be a federal, a global holiday. It is. It should already be. It's a, it's a global <laughs> holiday. It's a heaven holiday. I just don't think everybody's gotten the memo yet. <laughs> so I tell this story um, to anybody anywhere um, who will listen. And I do it on Clubhouse and I do it online. And you could, if you go to my website, it's on the homepage. But um it's it's the story of the day that God made you. And I'm going to just tell it to Jeff, but as you're listening, I want you to receive it for yourself. So there was a day that the God that made the mountains and the oceans and the seas and the flowers and the animals and everything beautiful stopped everything he was doing. And he said, I'm, I'm going to make someone new. And he thought about you. And he took his big hand And with the index finger of his other hand, in the palm of his hand, he swirled the cells of your body. And he thought about the color of your eyes and the color of your hair and the shape of your toes. And he was so excited. He's like, angels, check it out, man. I'm making me a Jeff. (laughs) And they're like, wow, God, you've never made anything like that before. He says, no, Jeff's different. And he kept swirling the cells of your body in his hand. And he thought about, the, about your favorite food and your favorite animal and your favorite color. And he says, this is good. This is Jeff. I love you. I love you so much. Everything about you matters to me. The things that bring you happiness and joy, but also the things that bring you sorrow and pain. It all matters to me. And Jeff, it's my hope for you, as it is for everyone, that when I put you in the world, that you have two parents that tell you every day how much you matter to me. Every day. Now, some parents will do their job really well, and other parents not so much. And some parents aren't around, and then sometimes bad people do bad things to good kids. And Jeff, the world's going to come along and say, you don't look right. You don't sound right. You don't live here. You don't know these people. You don't have this stuff. And every day, thousands of messages are going to bombard you. And make you feel like you're not good enough for me. And it might get really hard for you to hear my voice and to remember how much you matter to me. But Jeff, I want you to know that every moment of every day, I'm right by your side. No matter where you go and no matter what you do, I will never abandon you. And I also have all these angels that can come and minister to you as well. All you have to do is ask and we'll be right there. And Jeff, I also want you to know that I will never be disappointed in you. Now, I might be disappointed in some things that you say or some things that you do or even some things that you think about. 
but I'll never be disappointed in who you are because you, Jeff, are exactly the way I created you to be. And I am your biggest cheerleader. And I am looking forward to seeing you again someday and welcoming you home and giving you a great big hug. And I hope you remember that every day for the rest of your life. Amen. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Did you hear that, people? Greatest day ever. That's what happened, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is really good. And I think it's very effective. Mm-hmm. Right? Good. Like, because yep. I think all those, those are truths. Those are all biblical truths. Now, exactly. Th- th- People are going to say, oh, well, where did you find it in the Bible? Um, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Thank you. You I was just going to say it before yeah. I formed you in your mother's womb, right? Mm-hmm. Psalm 139. That's exactly yeah. where my mind went as soon as you started. Mm-hmm. That is really, really good. And I think for those of the, that just heard that for the first time, please save it. Not because I want listens, but you can probably just download it, whatever, but listen to it over and over again. Exactly. And I do, and I, and I am, um, um, planning on having that accessible to personalize for you on my website. That's awesome. Yeah. And I had it, I had it made in a movie version so that it's, um, so there's one of me actually just sitting there swirling and you can see me doing it, but then I made it into a movie version so you can actually see some of this stuff actually come to fruition. So yeah, it's really incredible. That is really, really cool. Thank you. Well, I actually very, needed that today. Good. <laughs> well, I think that I think we all need it every day. When you think about that, we get three thousand on average, three thousand messages a day, and how many of them are positive, encouraging, or biblical? I mean, not very many. I mean, I've even had to stop listening to some of the news outlet—not news outlets, but um, commentators that I listen to right. during the day because I realized yesterday, as I got done listening to half of one of them, I was wickedly depressed. Mm-hmm. And they're speaking truth. I mean, what they're talking about is true, but, but it the was way that they so do it, depressing. The way they do it. Right. I was like, oh, my word. Where, where's my coconut candle and my Hawaii life exactly. cam? You know, like, <laughs> I got to go and And that's, and that's why I brain. tell the story to anybody, anywhere, at any time, because they need to hear it. And that's why it's on the home page of my website, so that anybody, anywhere. And what I tell you, so it's on YouTube, so the link is on YouTube. And I tell people, take the link and post it on people's Facebook profiles for their birthday. Yeah. Remind them, remind them of who God says they are versus who the world says they are. Yep. I mean, it's, yeah. It was so cool. I mean, that was, you'd said some very specific things that in the conversation with my friend earlier today, Mm. I had voiced and those, I mean, specific eyes, ridiculous. Like I had to mute my microphone people just so you know. (laughs) 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 that's awesome so your website again is fishing for that's the number four truth.com yes fishingfortruth.com pastor elaine i cannot wait to have you back on again i really hope that you would come back on again it would be an honor and a pleasure and i i mean i told you i was excited the day after when we talked the other day, I even texted you and was like, I cannot wait <laughs> to have you on the podcast. And we're, I mean, we've got to go because you, you have, I want to respect your time and you have to go, but I don't want to stop talking because I know how <laughs> effective this is. And I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so good. And I think this plays into something that you had brought up. I'm going to end with this is that um, when we had a conversation the other day, you talked about um, to simplify it is that discipleship happens outside the church. So when we come to church, we're not looking to be ministered to by God, although he does do that, but we're ministering to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel yeah. like that's what just happened. So if I yeah. had to go to church awesome. today, I could then just <laughs> go to minister to the Lord. <laughs> right? Awesome. That's um, awesome. But super good. But I'm going to ask you one more question. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm starting to do this. I asked uh, my last guest this. I want you to complete this sentence. He is dot, dot, dot. My hope. It's good. It's really good. Mm -hmm. Without him, there's no hope. Yeah. I mean, there really isn't. None. 
There isn't. And I love how you'd said, I just want to say this. I love how you said when you, right before you got ordained, I don't want to do this without you. Mm. When I tried to figure out how to write, I'm trying to finish a book called Houston. We have a problem and it's all about transformation. And when I first started to try and write it, I was like, Lord, I want this to go to believers and non-believers, but I can't write it without you because it wouldn't make sense because you Mm. were the one that did all of this. While they're principles, you were the one who showed me these principles and instilled these principles. So how do I do it without you? And the answer is very clear. You don't. (laughs) So I was like, yes, sir. (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. So, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time coming on. One of my favorite shows that I've done so far. (laughs) Like it literally is. I thought Monday's show was like one of my favorite shows. This was awesome. I, uh, this is some of the most fun I've had. Thank you so much. uh, Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. And I'm, and I'm really, am glad that it blessed you. It always blesses me to be able to share truths that set people free. And then to know that other people will listen to it in the, in the days and years to come because um, the truth does set us free. And we have a Jesus who wants to go play. And, yeah. and to do whatever I can to, to see that come to fruition. So thank you so much. Yeah. And I know I'm already going to get one text message um, after they this individual listens to this, and they're going to be like, I was sobbing my head up. And that's my sister, Amy. Um, yeah. She will. I know she will text me. She probably now won't because I've called her out on it, but she will text me. <laughs> and be like, Oh my gosh, I was at work and you made me cry or something like that. <laughs> oh, goodness. So again, thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's been an honor.